Welcome to Sound Waves at St. Bede's, a weekly podcast of St. Bede's Episcopal Church in Los Angeles, California, a vibrant and inclusive community of faith serving Venice, Playa Vista, Mar Vista, Ocean Park, Santa Monica, and beyond. Each week, Sound Waves features the sermon from last week's Sunday's worship services. In addition, as often as possible, we share selections from the extraordinary St. Bede's music program update our listeners on church news, and convey the stories of our faith as we live out our baptismal covenant. As always, we invite you to worship with us at St. Bede's on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Additional information and directions to our church campus can be found on our website, stbedesla.org, S-T-B-E-D-E-S-L-A.org. Thank you for listening. May the love of Christ be with you today and always. This morning, I'm going to do something that in 20 years of ordained ministry, I've only done a handful of times. As you might notice, I have no manuscript in front of me, no even set of notes in front of me. Um, All I have in front of me is you and your faces and the words that have been given to us this morning to reflect upon. And it's not because I was lazy and didn't get around to it, but I just found myself this week, every time I tried to start to write the words down that I wanted to say, it just didn't feel right. And it just felt and feels too raw. Too much is boiling up within me, and I imagine many of you, that I just said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to read and reflect upon this, but I'm going to come this morning and just let your spirit lead me. I want to be in the rawness this morning. Now, don't mistake my rawness as I'm going to get up here and offer some type of political statement or espousal about what has occurred in this week in this in this country Um, that's not the purpose of the pulpit my political views or to drill down a political argument um, i really want to look at this a little bit more broadly as as christians because in reality in our even our own saint beads community there are many people with differing views on thoughts that most pertinent to this week around abortion. And so my goal and my intention is not to alienate one side or the other. There's other avenues where those conversations can happen, but it should not and will not happen in the context of what I try to do here this morning. I am and very aware, and I said this, this, this uh, I think yesterday on, on, on Facebook, in one sense, I don't feel like I'm the right person to even be up here this morning as a white male. Uh, if anyone, I wish my wife who was a physician or my sister who was a labor and delivery nurse was up here to kind of extract what has happened for us as a country. 
I put simply on my Facebook after we saw what, um, the, the judgment go out, the, the opinion come down from the Supreme Court, I simply put one word on my, on my Facebook. And it could be interpreted both ways. But what I saw from that experience immediately was people coming from different walks of my life friends that we might refer to as the more conservative side and friends more on the liberal side, none, none of them really knowing each other. And what happened was this spirited discussion, debate, and sometimes downright nastiness was just occurring in response to one word that I said. And they weren't really responding to me, they were responding to one another. I think about it, I have a colleague of mine back east who innocently decided with a partner um, in another church and not in the Episcopal faith to do a pulpit swap this week. And one, the pulpit that he was going to is a conservative evangelical church and the conservative evangelical uh, pastor is coming to preach at an Episcopal church. Think about that task for both of those preachers this, that morning, this morning. There are probably many services going on throughout the United States where the news was met with great joy and is being preached about as a great monumental step forward for the Christian cause and the Christian belief. And then there are other churches and other pulpits that this morning you might hear a different message, that this is a step backwards, and that this is a tremendous blow to women's rights, women's reproductive health, the socioeconomic impact. And at reality, this issue is just yet another issue that continues to tear the fabric of our country apart. And we as Christians have to sort through this because we really live in two different worlds. We live in our Christian world and we live in this, the United States. And as we have seen, there has been definitely a re-blending of the Christian identity to the American identity from a governmental standpoint which has its trappings and its problems and conundrums. So today's raw. Today is probably about all of you who've had a difficult week and might not have even been what's happened nationally. Maybe you've got your own stuff going on, but you're aware about what's going on. And maybe for some of you, this is a, this is a difficult situation. I will say personally, I'll confess, I'm married to a physician who often deals with women in their reproductive health, a strong-willed, independent woman, and I'm also a father of a young daughter, and so it's, it stirs in me. So what do we do? So let's look at the scripture this morning, because I do believe by some sake of providence, 
I think this morning's scripture might not necessarily be the first scripture that I choose as we try to navigate through some of the things that are happening in response to this week, but I do think they actually do provide some good insight for what we need to do as Christians in this world. And not just about this issue, but how we respond to all of this that continues to boil up. And it feels like every week, in one shape or another, we're having these dialogues about how we respond as Christians to an ever-complex and contentious world. So we have this first story in the Gospel of Luke, and we have this buzz phrase that Jesus is turning his face to Jerusalem. This is a turning point in the Gospel. Jesus' mission and ministry is no longer a regional ministry. Jesus is turning his face to Jerusalem. He is turning his face to what is to come. The conflict that's going to happen between he and others in power and then ultimately the fate that he will suffer on the cross. And he is warning the disciples continually about this and they're like, this is just, no, this isn't going to happen. So we are very intentionally pivoting toward Jerusalem and the chaos that is about to ensue. And so they go into the Samaritan village. So that should be a key word for us in the sense that they don't believe that Jerusalem is at the center of worship. Now, they are a community closely connected, but there is a great deal of strife and contention about their place in this larger Jewish community given that they have basically said, uh-uh, Jerusalem isn't the center of worship. And that's at the heart of what Jesus is turning his face toward. And we hear that when they go to the Samaritan town, Jesus is rejected. And what do the disciples do? It's almost like it's out of a um, comic book. They say, well, Jesus, why don't we just strike a huge lightning bolt or a huge ball of fire and obliterate this Samaritan town? And Jesus rebukes them. Something tells me Jesus said a lot more than that, but we didn't get that in the gospel. So how does this relate to our current journey? Here's where I think the takeaway is, and I think it's an important takeaway. How are we responding? How are we responding as individuals to what is happening in our lives and in this world, in this city, in this state, this country, this world? A lot can be said about the way we respond. We might not be able to change the decision maker's decision. But that doesn't mean that we then start making decisions on our own that are not reflective and representative of the Christ that we follow, proclaim, and attempt to emulate. We are agents of Christ first and foremost, and our responses 
regardless of whether you're happy or sad about what's happened today or yesterday or tomorrow, whatever, our responses need to align with the one that we say we align ourselves with. The second part of this gospel reading is this exchange that can be a little bit uncomfortable. Basically, a series of call stories where people confront Jesus saying, I'll follow you. And Jesus basically looks at it and says, oh, really? You'll follow me? Well, then you need to give up everything. You need to distance yourself from everything and stay focused on what is the task at hand. And someone says, well, wait a minute, I'll follow you, but I need to go bury my father. And then we get this really callous response from Jesus. Oh, let the dead bury themselves. You know, like, whoa, Jesus, what are you doing there? You're not that warm and fuzzy Jesus that we all love. You look more like a cactus Jesus right now. Well, this is a little bit of Luke and hyperbole, I think. Luke, Luke was an embellisher. Luke was a um, trained mind, and so I think he sees an opportunity here to be seized where he can really kind of emphasize the point. To follow Jesus means that we can't be distracted by what the intention is for Jesus' ministry. Remember, Jesus is turning his face to Jerusalem. Jesus is trying to tell his hard-headed disciples that life is going to be very different. And then as he has more stragglers try to come into the fold, they say, I'll follow you, Jesus, but... And what Jesus is saying is, no one puts their hand to the plow and looks backwards. You got to look forward. Because if you look backwards, you're not paying attention. And what's going to happen is you're going to fall flat on your face if you're plowing the fields. So Jesus isn't really being callous here. What Jesus is really saying to his followers in this passage is really is what is saying to us is, how focused are we on living into this way that is the Christ way of living? Are we willing not to be distracted? Now, does Jesus want us to give up our family and basically swear them off? I don't really think that's what Jesus is trying to tell us to do. Unless our family is dragging us down, lowering the bar, taking us so far away from the message that it's actually impeding us for, for being the people of God. What we are called to do in these times especially is to stay focused not on our message and not on our beliefs, but to stay focused on the message that Christ has given us. I did a wedding yesterday for a wonderful um, couple. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about recently in their, their wedding preparation was just about their own journey and their relationship was forged through a lot of personal trauma in their lives and some wonderfully grounded people. And they said two things that stood out to me and really connect back to. Maddie, who um, 
is the bride and is a soul cycle personality and whatever else, was saying that she learned through her tragedy in her lives and this relationship that has formulated is that she learned that she has to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Isn't that what Jesus is saying to the disciples when they get shunned in the Samaritan village? All right. You got to get comfortable about it's not always going to be peachy. Isn't that what he's saying to all those followers who say, I want to follow you, but he's saying, you know what? You're going to have to start getting comfortable with things being uncomfortable. I think we have to be start getting comfortable with things being uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that we get relaxed. It doesn't mean we put up our feet and stop doing. We just have to be comfortable with the reality is that things are going to be uncomfortable for a little bit. And maybe for a long while. And then Seku, Seku, who was the, the groom, neat guy. He actually, he actually is the chief legal counsel for the um, Dallas Mavericks. Um, and so, you know, very soft-spoken guy, but when he speaks, he's profound. I joked with him, actually, during the service, you know, as I was kind of saying my words before they exchanged their vows. He, Seku had all these wonderful, simple statements when we were doing their wedding preparation, and I said during the, the wedding, um, you know, Seku, you're so eloquent that if this, this law thing with the NBA doesn't ever work out, you, you're, you have a profession in my organization. You really could be doing what I do. And I joked with him and said this in front of everyone, including many in the Mavs organization. And guess what? My boss is even richer than your boss. <laughs> we elicited a lot of chuckles and even some handshakes afterwards by some of the uh, wedding attendees. But I set that up all to say is this is what, what, what Seku said when he was to give advice to people who are searching for that long-term relationship and marriage. And I used their words, and their words became my advice to them. He said, let love lead the way. Let love lead the way. It's a simple statement. But it's a very profound statement. I think what Jesus is saying in the second part of this passage is that our focus has to be on the message of the gospel. Which, if you can boil it down to one word, I think I'm going to argue is love. So things are going to be uncomfortable. But we as Christians must start and must end from one position. Whether you're on this side or that side or right dead smack in the middle. We have to lead with love, people. We have to lead with love. There are some in our brand, might I say, who aren't leading with love 
and we can't get worried about them. We can't get distracted by them. We can't even necessarily expend our energy trying to correct them because we're not going to correct them. All we can do is take care of our own lives as individuals and our own community. And if we as individuals here at St. Bede's and we as a St. Bede's family can lead with love, if we can lead with love, then I think we're on the right path. I think we are on that path. We are facing toward Jerusalem. We are walking right next to Jesus, or at least behind Jesus. If we lead with love in this day and age, it might not solve all the problems, but it certainly is a better starting position than a lot of the other options that are out there. Like fireballs from the sky or distractions or anything else that we want to have consume us. So in the rawness of this week, and regardless if this is a weekend of celebration or a weakness of profound sadness for us as individuals, if we're going to sit in these pews and call ourselves Christians and go out into the world and proclaim as Christians, then we better be proclaiming that which makes us Christians. And it isn't a building, it isn't a doctrine, it isn't anything other than the fact that we are followers of Christ. And Christ is telling us very clearly in this morning's reading, your focus needs to be on the message. And we know that the message is love. Lead with love. That's what we're called to do. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Soundwaves at St. Beads. If you want to learn more about St. Beads, we invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at St. Beads LA. If you like Soundwaves, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Our worship services on Sunday are at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are welcome at St. Beads. Additional information and directions to our church campus can be found on our website, stbeadsla.org, S-T-B-E-D-E-S-L-A.org. Thank you again for listening, and may you be blessed this day and every day by God's unconditional love and eternal grace.